Mm-hmm. But I want you to be comfortable because I, I know that you talk with your hands. So this is part of the communication. Come on, man. How you talk without your hands? My head like this, I like what? You know what? You know what the thing is, we were always taught in school. That's why I think school's a contradiction. Because we were taught in school, be still. But they never explained to you that communication, like you said, is part of everything. Communication is words, gestures, and spirit. The words come out of my mouth, and the gestures, and what we do. So what happened is white folks, Europeans, they teach that. Because even we, you ever watch when music start coming on, Mm -hmm. and that bass start moving? Mm -hmm. These people would not move. Yeah. They'd be like this. And we in the office, and guys are just, yo, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's who we are. So we're not doing yeah. that. No, this is the way we move. We're like yeah. this. You hear me? That's how we do. You, do you think the culture is changing? Like, the white people are trying to, like, jump on the... They on, they on Okay. Because so, I see some white people that can dance now. Oh, yeah, they on y'all. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, and they really took years and years to get that. Yeah. They study it yeah. without the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Because they really, but you can't do that unless you're around the black people. Yeah. yeah. You're not the around. Culture. And then we pass it on, you know? Yeah. It's like, yo, this is. So, yeah, it's. They're coming home. Yeah. They're coming home. No, 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 no. They're coming home. I got one for that. Are you ready? It's coming home. Okay, good. Yo, man, why you do that? <laughs> you, <laughs> you, like to do that? you like to do that? Yeah, some moments. Yeah, you know, you want to. Uh, once you say go, I'm gonna be like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
the more I dove in and I went down the rabbit hole, and then I realized, like, man, you started from really nothing and created something. Yeah. And um, I know you, you fell in love with basketball at the age of eight, and you no, got actually at eighth grade. Eighth grade. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, but you took a year to build up your skill set, and then you got really good at it and they started it. doing. Yeah. I actually started playing basketball late. Oh, okay. Eighth grade, mm -hmm. you know, and um, uh, my coach at that time was Barney Davis. <clears throat> he was a new young white teacher mm -hmm. in the school, and I was doing some buckwild stuff, you know. I, that was junior high school, and um, he used to bring me in during lunchtime and say, "Hey, why don't you play ball?" Right. I'm like, I don't want to play ball. Up. I like doing what I do, mm -hmm. with the games and yeah. all that. So he would let me come in at lunchtime and put a ball in my hand, and he was the first guy that took me around other white people because in my community it was just blacks. And right, right. The only one white you saw was teachers, bill collectors, right. police officers. Right, so, right, right. But hanging out with white people, I didn't have no kind of clue, and he took me on his team, and I was the, you know, the only black on his team. Mm -hmm. And it took me one summer, because I used to sing, Right, right. Was you good. was a singer? Oh, big time. Uh, yeah. So you could blow. I, I used to sing. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I sang a lot. I was blowing a lot, you know, in terms of the singing. Um, Soul Redemption, um, sang at the Apollo. Uh, we won the, uh, the whole Apollo thing mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Uh, but then basketball just took my heart, man. Yeah. Was, yeah. And then, but you, you got, like, real skillful, like, within... A year. One year. Yeah, one year. Like, what did you do? Like, you, like, stayed up man, late, I like, studied, at the bottom? Yeah, what did you do? I started going to camps. Mm -hmm. um, I got with Walt Frazier. I used to go to his camp. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so um, I really just started to really put into the game. I watched, started to watch it. Uh, my stepbrother, who um, played basketball, um, at the time, my father who was a Rolling Stone, left one woman and went to another woman. Right, right. And so I had to go with him. Right, right. And that's where I got my stepbrother, uh, Fred, and he was really into basketball. And um, so that helped a lot as well because so, he kind of gave me some tips and always would work me out. And I just was hungry for it. So I would practice every single day. And then by, when I came back to school, they said, wow, where did you get that jump shot from? Where did you get the course off? Well, I had a wicked course off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I learned that from just street games, like playing dodgeball, mm -hmm. Coco Olivia, where you have to weave and dodge <laughs> people. So when basketball came, you put a ball in my hand. Oh, it's natural. So, yeah, that was, that was it really picked up. And, um, when I was in the ninth grade at Whitlaw Weed uh, Junior High School, 257, it was time for me to go to high school, and I had a choice of Canarsie High School mm -hmm. or Boys High. Mm -hmm. Everyone thought I was going to go to Boys High because that was the traditional championship, black community and black neighborhood. I went to Canarsie because Canarsie was predominantly white, mm. all white. And you wanted that? I wanted that. I wanted to start some shit. I wanted to go in there and integrate. So we would be in bus. Mm -hmm. from Brownsville to Canarsie. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. And I went in there 
Not only did I play basketball, I played tennis because there was no white, no blacks on the tennis team. Mm -hmm. I played handball because there was no blacks on that. I joined all sorts of clubs mm -hmm. in there. I even played, uh, tried out an audition for Greece. At that time, it was one of those white, all white things. Yeah, I'm going in there because I know I can sing. Right, right, right. So I went in there and, and did that. And um, I was captain of the basketball team. Yeah. And pretty much um, did a lot of the community things when they had what they call town meeting. Mm -hmm. All these blacks was moving in the community. They used to chase us out of Canarsie. Um, and I would go to the town hall meetings and speak, even as a high schooler. We won the championship, mm -hmm. and basically, I had a voice. Right. I used it at that time. So I never forget my coach told me, he said, man, you good, but you better at community service. Mm. And he says, you're going to have guys on this team like World B. Free, mm -hmm. Lloyd Free, that's going to go on and play pro ball, which he had 14 great years as a pro basketball player. He said, but you, you're going to be either a politician or you're going to be a coach or something to impact your community because you are willing to speak. Earl wasn't one of those guys that go out and speak. Right, right, right. I was the guy that yeah. go out and speak when they had town. Where did that come from? Um, well, my folks used to tell me that I was going to be a lawyer. When my mother died, I found her dead on the floor at the age oh. of nine years old. She died from alcohol abuse. And... Um, um, It's just like a regular picture. I was nine, nine years old. That's like 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I never forget she was on the floor and in her customary position because she would roll off the couch. Mm -hmm. And um, she would, um, I went to wake her up. And she wouldn't wake this time because I normally would wake her. Mom, get up off the floor, you know, get on the couch. And her favorite song was being played, A Change Is Gonna Come, mm -hmm. uh, by um, Sam Cooke. And i never forget, she was like cold and everything, and I, it's like crazy, man. And um, that song was playing. Been a long time coming, yeah, yeah. A Change Is Gonna Come. Wow. And that was her favorite song, so she must have died on that. And um, when I turned her over, she was, I thought it was dirt. I've always described it as dirt mm -hmm. coming from her mouth and her nose. Later, later learned that she hemorrhaged. She uh, must have had a, like a busted. Um, from the inside, internal. Yeah, from the inside. And um, How did that make you feel? I was, that was real, oh man, that was devastating because it was that week when she had came up to the school. I didn't like for my mother to come to school because she was always drinking and stuff like that. But the teachers at that time used to tell my mother how great of, how intelligent I was and how smart I was and everything. But I would act up. I used my intelligence to create gangs and bringing people together, mm -hmm. still doing what I do. do. But, and the last words my mother had said to me was at the school, she says, the people care about you. She says, boy, you're going to kill me. Boy, you're going to kill me if you keep acting like that. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I found her dead, I ran through a railroad apartment 
because I, re- I we had a living room here, the mm-hmm. kitchen, everything straight across. Mm-hmm. We live in the basement, and um, I ran through this and I killed mommy. I killed mommy. So when I tell the story about that, I said words have power, because I felt I killed my mother. So and you carried that for. I carried that for. I carried that until I was 14 years old, from 9 to 14. Wow. And how did that play on your mindset? Like, It played, you know, in my mindset that, um, that um, I killed mommy. And basically, because she said so. But how did that, like, how did that cause you to interact with people? Because if you felt this guilt, well, yeah, I to... was very fortunate. That's the reason why I wrote in my book, um, The Power of One Breath. And I talked about, there was a teacher by the name of Miss Cannon. And um, she, I was acting up in the schools, really even more so after my mom passed. And then I met my father. Um, My father came along. They said he was around, but I never knew him like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm the youngest out of, you know, five siblings. And um, so I'm the baby, so. Mm So when my mother died, everybody wants to, you know, who are you going to take? You know? mm. And my father said, nah, we ain't going to split them up. I'm taking my kids. And uh, whatever issues they had, they had, you know, but he came and took us. But I still was acting up in school. And this teacher, her name is Miss Cannon, God bless her. So she's passed now. Um, she took me under her wing. And she always used to tell me I was a leader. And I never forget, she said, look, Martin Luther King had died and uh, got killed. And I was causing all kinds of havoc, you know, rioting, whatever. I just was a part of the scene. And I had my crew, we were doing our thing. And um, so she she said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you, we're having a town hall meeting because the neighborhood was going crazy. Mm-hmm. She said, I want you to do a speech. I have a dream speech. And the principal was like, no, we're not having Theodore do that because he's going to cause so much problems. Right, right. She said, she was insistent on it. And she said, no, I want him to do it. What she did is she understood in order for me to, how to capture that class because she was a master mm-hmm. teacher, she captured the leader of the class. Mm-hmm. And she put me on that stage, and I did that speech, and everybody stood up, they stopped clapping, and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I did this. Right, right. And I took on the character, because she mm-hmm. had me practice it and study it, and so forth like that. And uh, when I said I have a dream and I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. Yeah. And you know, free at last, free, free at, at last. last, thank God Almighty. Free free at, at last. And everybody stood up. That changed. Because you felt oh, that impact. That impact changed. Yeah. I was like a student after that, start doing right things, even though I was still dipping because yeah. now I'm making still adjustments. But I knew that I had the ability to lead in my words would be able to impact people. And my mother not only said, boy, you're going to kill me, but she always used to say, you're going to be a lawyer. 
So when I graduated high school, I, I, I had to go, I had scholarships to St. Bonaventure. Mm -hmm. I wound up going to John Jay College of Criminal Justice because my mother. She spoke life. Spoke life. So there was words that she spoke. She spoke life. So the power in her one breath, the power in the one breath of that teacher mm -hmm. was able to breathe life into me. So that's why my book is entitled The Power in One Breath. Mm -hmm. um, breathe life, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and the transformation part, because your book is titled yeah, The Power of yeah. One Breath and Transformation. Transformation, so to be able, how one breath, all it takes is one breath to transform people, mm -hmm. transform a community. So I was on that mission. And by the way, that word, a change is going to come, was the change that was happening to me. Right, right. So I always took that word, because words have powers, words create our world. Mm hmm so a change is going to come. That was a change in me. But that also meant that whatever change was going to take place in me, I was going to use the power of my one breath to help breathe life and transform generations. Right, right, right. So I took on coaching at the age of 18 years old, 19 years old. And that's extremely powerful. Now, my question is, is what's the difference between, and we're going to tap into everything because there's so many uh, things to unpack and so many layers to where you at right now. Yeah. But um, I just want some clarity in what's the difference, and the, if there is a difference, can you explain it between a coach and a mentor? So, <clears throat> well, first of all, I have a um, mentor because I do a lot of work. Yeah, because you do both. I do a lot of work right. with men and young Young men, so mentor, I, I call men taking on responsibility. Mentor, mm -hmm. men taking on responsibility. All right, I like that. So we, and that's really basically, our, we, our, people always say we need some more male role models in the mm -hmm. community. I say we don't, because remember we are male by birth and man by choice. We don't need male role models. We need men role models. Mm -hmm. Because men, men have the ability to take responsibility. Right. Males don't. You could be a cockroach and be a male. <laughs> Dog, a cat, yeah, yeah. all males. Yeah. And males operate on impulses. Right, right. So we say things sometimes, but we don't realize what we're putting into the system. You mm -hmm. can't transform people if you continue to use words that uh, can destroy you. So we stay at a male stage. Mm -hmm. You, we, when you're a kid, that's when you're a male, especially when you're just born, mm -hmm. because you operating on instincts and impulsiveness. So when you're ready to eat mm -hmm. or you got to be changed, you don't care what another person feels. Right. A baby's gonna cry, and you're like, "Don't you see me doing something? I don't care nothing about what you're doing. I need it now." Right. Right. That's right. impulse. Right. When the dog is in heat, impulse. he sees another dog. He's impulse. That's a male dog seeing a female dog. Mm -hmm. He jumping on that. That's what we do as males. Yeah, yeah. Male thinking. Mm -hmm. When you're a man, you take responsibility because mm -hmm. you have the ability to think. So you move from malehood into boyhood into manhood. Mm. So these are levels. So we don't need male role models. We need man role models. Men that step up. So as a mentor, those are men taking on responsibility. When you go into the coaching room, mm -hmm. a coach is like 
I always say it's like a coach bus, coach train, and coach plane. Right, right, right. They all coaches, except you ride coach. You ride first class. <laughs> you don't know about coach. <laughs> coach plane, you know. But a coach, what does those three things do? They pick you up, and they take you to your destination. Mm. But you got to be willing to pay the price. Right. And whatever price you're willing to pay, and now we're really monetary, but faith and hope and all the energy, whatever it is that you want to pay, you got to be willing to right. pay that mm -hmm. in order for you to get to the destination that you want to get to. My job as a coach, and I tell coaches, is not for you to try to get them where you want to go. You got to ask your players, the people you're coaching, where is it that you want to go? What destination that you want to go? Now, you could take a bus to LA. That's going to be a long ride. You could take a train. That's a long ride. You could take a plane to get to your destination. Mm -hmm. All the coaches. You could take Coach Gustus, and I'll help you get to your destination. Right. A coach is not a counselor. Coaches are not concerned, overly concerned, I'm going to use the word overly concerned, about your, what you went through in your past. That's why we said seek counsel. Mm -hmm. That's somebody else. Mm -hmm. But when I coach you, it's game time. Yeah. I ain't, ain't going to worry about your past right now. Where do you say we're trying to get to the chip? If you're trying to get to the chip, I'm going to show you how to do away with the past. I need to get you where you at mm -hmm. to get you to your destination that you said you want to get to. Facts. So you see, I, that's the coach coming out of me now. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, yo, son, well, I have issues. Yo, we got a game right here. Right. Get in the moment. Focus on this. The moment right now so I can help you get to the destination that you said you want to get. And you got to pay a price. So I understand when I was in that position, I had a lot of stuff going on in my life, as you just witnessed. Mm -hmm. But my coaches taught me get in the moment so you could reach what you desire to reach. So a coach doesn't really, we we'll listen to your, your issues because we want to be respectful about everybody's issues and concerns. But when it's time to coach, the job is to get you to where your destination that you said you want to get. So if I see you posting up in school, in the hallways, and so forth, and you tell me you want to play college ball, and you're posting up with some gang members or whatever, then you're, you're, not, you're not ready to get to your destination. You got another transportation. You're trying to get to LA, but you're taking a bus to Philadelphia. Yeah. Wrong destination. You're not gonna get there. Mm -hmm. So. That's the difference between a mentor is to take on responsibility and um, to me, uh, a coach is more driving you to your destination, getting you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. I definitely like that metaphor. Oh. I've never heard it from that standpoint and I think that's like a powerful message to put out there for people. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. hop on, man. Hop on, but yeah. Be remember, when you take a plane, there's going to be turbulence on your way up. Same thing when you take Coach Vester. It ain't going to be easy. I'm going to work your butt to death. Mm -hmm. But once it settles like this, we got a straight ride. Yeah, it's all about maintaining, maintaining at that point. Maintaining at yeah. this point. And then when the turbulence comes, just put your seatbelt on. Sit down. 
relax, go through the storms, because we're going to make it through the storm, but you can't panic and jump out, because if you jump out, the storm's going to eat you up. Yeah. You know? No, and storms good. of life. You know, we're going to have storms. Yeah, there's cycles. There you yeah. go, baby. That's yeah. why I always say you got to be deeply rooted. So the sand, if you, if you, if you, Plant seed on the sand, mm-hmm. it's not going to be strong enough to hold the tree that you built. It. Oh, I like that. So you started like, um, you started, you didn't have a real school or anything like that, or you didn't have a designated park. You went out and got a permit uh, to start your whole coaching career type of thing. So, yo, we, we got to get this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I'm feeling proud at the same time because you know what? When people want to do these things, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, oh, okay. They, you know, you have to be serious about your game. Yeah. So you can't come in here. I always say, did you do your homework? Yeah. Are you prepared? Right, right, right. Are you psyched up? Are you ready to yeah. go? So, yes, I, I appreciate that. I told you this is a great opportunity for us yeah. because I've learned so much uh not only observing you, but I also have learned from doing the research. And, and But you did start out, like, made up your mind and said, this is the path I'm going to go into. Got yourself a permit, set up in the park, and started coaching. Now, you had so many people eventually got on board, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how were you able to ma- – how were you able to – Manage personalities, manage temperaments, manage ages, all right? And not officially being a coach yet, but you knew something. You knew, like, you could tap into these people. What was it? Well, there's a couple things. I'm going to give you two things. That was the easy part because, remember, I was a leader of gangs. Right. So I, I want, gang is a gang. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't like, matter. Yo, it didn't matter. Yeah. My guys knew I didn't play when it yeah. comes to, yo, I asked you to do certain things, get do it done. So, right. you know, I still had that little yeah. like, energy, you know. Um, secondly, because I was a baller, and ballers have influence. So if you think you're nice, especially back then, you mm-hmm. know, people look at me now, imagine me 19, right. years old. I was just nice. So I would like, yo, any one of y'all that's on this team, whether you're in high school and then post up, we, we'll, we'll do one-on-one. Right, right. And I used to actually take that. I would have, like, I never cut anybody from the team. So I would have 30, 40 kids mm-hmm. in that park, Dittman's Park. And, um, and I used to go one-on-one with each one of them. Like, you know how you do the knockout thing? Right, right, right. You next, you next, yeah. bang, you next, blah, 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 bang, you know. And so they knew that, yo, this ain't just a coach. But one time I had a meeting with them, and I told them that uh, I suffered from abandonment mm. because my mother died. Mm-hmm. I watched my sister get killed in front of me. Mm. My sister, I watched my dog get thrown off a roof. I had found a dog, and I mean, we had a, a great bond. I watched six puppies that my dog, Sharon had had get eaten up by um, rats that was in my apartment, mm-hmm. live in the basement and stuff like that. Uh, 
I've watched uh, an uncle that took me under his wing commit suicide, and he shot himself and so forth. I watched my sister, older sister, die from heroin. I watched my older brother die from crack. So these these were things that I was watching, and I made a, a commitment that I would, being the youngest in my family, that I would create some young people that would, I would never have to worry about dealing with abandonment again. So these young people, some of them, here I was 19, my first group, I was 19, they were like 16, 17 years old, my first team. Mm -hmm. And um, they were out there, you know, but they needed to rock with me because I was who I was. Mm -hmm. But they, I brought them in and then after that group, I, I actually w took them to Arthur Kill Road. Mm -hmm. uh, my uncle that shot himself, he used to be a correction officer. He would let us come, and I would bring the team to the prison, uh, prison um, just to show them the prison life. And um, i never forget, um, I was coaching, mm -hmm. and the prison guys was beating my dudes to death. And at halftime, I went in, took off my clothes, and put my stuff on. To ball. To ball. And, man, I went to work. So that gave me that even more because they came back. You got the credentials. And everybody like, yo, he bust these dudes butt. And I was. You know, they brawly in there. Yeah. They, they couldn't handle their, just the rock. You know, everything. Yeah. I was. My uncle was so proud, you know. But so I did that. And... um so that kind of got these young people to be under me. And then I got the next group. So my oldest player is around like 66, you know, and then then I got the younger ones that came after. And still today, mm -hmm. we really tight, all of them, you know. So I always said that uh, I needed, my sisters and them didn't listen to me because I'm being the youngest, where I had everybody else that was under me listening, listening to me. So I kind of created my own family, man, to be honest with you. And um, even today, I have, I call them my sons, S-U-N, mm -hmm. uh, because um, uh, they bring light, they bring energy, and they bring warmth to yeah. my life. You know? Yeah, I like that. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot of fights that happen because I'm watching, I'm watching what's going on right now with uh, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole and the big fight and the brawl that well, it wasn't a brawl, it was just a, a one-hit thing. Um, how would you have managed that? Because, you know, I'm pretty sure fights break out, and as a coach and as a leader – what would you say to make sure that this thing doesn't happen, and how do you move your team forward when type of situations like that? Well, first I was told, what's your name, Pooh? Mm -hmm. I like, like, son, listen, if you're going to push somebody, you better have your hands up. That's a, yeah. Don't, don't do no – did you expect to push this man? And not get and anything. Not, so what it is is y'all don't know how to fight. I don't know how to fight. Mm -hmm. So you pushed him thinking, what? And I know we in an era where they're fighting 
is not like it used to be. You know, it's like, yo, could you put somebody, you, you know? Right. And Dre, and I, I get it, Dre was up in your face, and you pretty much are saying, yo, I'm not bow down to this guy. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to push him, be prepared to fight. Right. Now, I, I hate hypocrites, and this is where old heads, they got a lot of nerve. Some of the old heads that I'm listening to, yeah, stop yeah. it. <laughs> stop <laughs> it. You know you would have reacted too. First of all, y'all saying these young people are soft. Mm -hmm. And Dre is the one that's been telling y'all, y'all saying if he was back in the day, they would, you know, they mm -hmm. would bust. And he said he made a good sense. He said, oh, y'all think that if I was back in the day, that y'all think y'all could punk me? Y'all couldn't punk everybody in the league. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, you're not going to punk me just because y'all think we soft now. Right, Because right. we don't have many fights. Right. That ain't, that ain't the truth. He's like, yo, y'all came at me. I would have been one of those guys. Mm -hmm. I would have been the Ron Artez and all those guys. Trust me. And that's why it gets me. Everybody think, oh, in the day that LeBron couldn't play. And LeBron is 6'9", 260. Solid. Great body when mm -hmm. you guys are drinking beers and drunk and all that. That man would hurt y'all mm -hmm. because he would have changed his whole mentality. Oh, hurt? I'm hurt y'all. Y'all hurt? I'm hurting you back. Mm -hmm. They, He's like Shaq. They don't let him go off with the hits because they like, yo, LeBron, you're going to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. That's a big man. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen him in person. It's like ridiculous. I haven't seen him in person, but looking at him, like, he's, you can he, tell he's His solid. shoulders are out like this. Yeah. Like a little head on top of a whole thing. <laughs> you, know you know, it's like, yo, he's figuring with the TV. Right. Pertain him, man. And he moves like that. That's an athlete. He's from the hood, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody think, all heads think, and I ain't considered one of them. I'm an yeah, OG. Yeah. A, a young guy told me in his, his place, it wasn't here, it was over, over at the other place from South Carolina, and he said to me, Coach, you know the difference between an old head and an OG. Mm -hmm. Old heads like to talk about what they did in the past, mm -hmm. and it was the greatest thing. Their music was Stuck the in their prime. Stuck in, their, stuck in, in the past. Mm -hmm. I always people say, it's one thing to visit the past, but don't take residence. Right. I visit the past, but I ain't taking no resident. Right. OGs is like this. OG like, yo, son, I see what you're doing. I like that pair of pants you wear. Mm -hmm. I, yo, that's pretty cool, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what OGs do. They move forward. Yeah, they moving forward. And yeah. they want to move forward with the other people. Mm -hmm. So people get, like, sometimes if I dress a certain way, because I got, my stylist could be some of my young people. Right. And they like, yo, coach, you could, yo, you could do that, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, I can't help it if y'all can't do it. Yeah, I could but do it. The difference is you're listening though. Uh, oh, you yeah. listen to I'm the youth. Listening yeah. yeah, you know. And I'm, I'm like, okay, yo, because it, in the end, my my uh, my whole thing is young people. Mm -hmm. So when they throw something on me, I'm like, okay, yo, that's that's pretty cool, mm -hmm. you know. And I can do it physically. Yeah, because I've taken care of myself. So I could roll with it, and I do have a swag with mm -hmm. it as well, mm -hmm. because I am the other. Yeah, yeah, it's different. And um, so please I, share what others mean. Others mean you see it on here, right mm -hmm. here. It's others, outcast thinkers, all right, that are habitually, are habitually exploring what 
Radical, Radical solutions. solutions. Yeah. Outcast thinkers habitually, and when I say habitually, meaning that you don't stop. Mm-hmm. That's why even at my age, mm-hmm. I'm still exploring radical solutions. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that you listen, and and not only in designing and you know with the fashion moving it forward. But you also listen when it comes to like crypto, when it comes to like uh, new technology and all these things. People don't know quite as kept. You're like a strong entrepreneur, like you're moving.